Ladies and gents, uh, welcome back to another podcast with engineers. Thanks for joining us. We've got uh, Chris Evans with us today, who's going to talk to us a little bit about Incident IO, uh, a company that he's co-founded and is currently CPO at. And Incident IO are solving some interesting challenges in the observability space. So collaborating, communicating with teams to really understand events in software, databases, other services that they're running, no doubt live. Some really interesting challenges to unpack here and understanding future of observability potentially. So Chris, I'm going to hand the mic over to you. Thanks for joining us. A pleasure to be here. Yeah, thank you very much for having me. Nice. Tell us a little bit about you first and foremost and and your background, and then give us an intro into incident. Yeah, sure thing. I mean, like first of all, off the off the cuff, being described as being in the observability space is incredible because I don't think a lot of people see that. Um, I think a lot of people look at observability, and it is um, something something where they use it to like inspect their technical systems. And I think incidents don't necessarily sort of fit into that. So I will, I will dig into that in a bit, but good. Yes. Very happy to hear that. Um, I guess about me. So um, I basically have spent an entire year, uh, sorry, entire year, my entire career as an engineer um, sort of working on everything from low level sort of embedded systems code through to like web apps, um, then sort of moved into sort of technical product management and then nice. running platform teams for, for various companies. So immediately before starting Incident IO, I was working at a company called Monzo, a big bank here in the UK. Yep. Um, joined them back in 2017 um, when they were sort of just coming out of that startup mode. Yep. Um, Said so something like a few hundred thousand customers um, and still quite a small company, all in one sort of nice little office in Old Street. Um, and then I stayed there and sort of was the technical director of platform for for four years. So I went through awesome. a lot of the very, very big growth journey that Monzo went on there. So by the time I left, something like five and a half million customers, you know, thousands of people working at the company, real, a real adventure, um, you could say. Um, and I guess from, from that journey, um, as part of that, I was responsible for looking after all of Monzo's on call. Okay. So this is all the engineers that would be available when stuff went wrong. And then as a sort of dotted line from there, I got very heavily involved in incidents. So both sort of causing them within my teams when things went wrong, <laughs> but also being on the hook for helping to make them better. And um, it was honestly trying to make on-call better that, that led me to build what was, um, you know, an internal tool at Monzo called Monzo Incident, yeah. which was like a super simple Slack bot that just did some sort of very lightweight orchestration of creating a channel or, you know, telling people about an incident happening just to take some of the pain off of, off of engineers' shoulders. Um, it was Monzo then where I met Pete and Stephen, the other two co-founders here. And um, we sort of ended up, you know, we didn't work super closely, but ended up, you know, either in incidents or like senior eng leadership type meetings, sort of meeting up. Um, and then sort of one thing led to another, we open sourced Monzo's incident tooling. It got more stars than anything else Monzo had open sourced. Um, and we were like, there's there's definitely some sort of product idea in this. And so evenings and weekends and very early morning start later, um, we had like a very first version of the product um, that was sort of like middle, early left last year. Um, and then we've been on a journey since where we've now all left Monzo, all working on incident. Incident is now... 
25 people or, or soon to be 30. Um, Good for and you. big plans to sort of tackle this emerging space of helping folks to sort of better better respond to incidents and then have more insights from those incidents and essentially level up their organizations as a result. Stephen, Pete and yourself, are you eyeballing each other and, and looking at the success that Monzo Incident has since you open sourced it and think we've got a fantastic opportunity here? It, taking that idea and then going to the next level, what, what did those, those conversations look like out of curiosity? Yeah, it's curious. I think I think honestly, like there's a whole bunch of like, and as is always the case with situations, right? There's a whole bunch of like contributing factors, compounding sort of reasons why things happen. And I don't think it was, it would be unfair to say it was like three of us sort of like got in a room and were like, we should just do this as a product. <laughs> um, it's more sort of like this, there's like open source thing that has a bunch of traction. Um, engineers who are sort of, you know, keen to just sort of hack on the side on fun project type thing. Um, and generally like all three of us, I think have had that kind of like desire our whole careers to do, to do something where we build a company ourselves. So I have, I have just for the longest time or like wanted to start a sort of technology company and have a front row seat to what it looks like to build a technology company. Um, and so I think like all these things kind of combine and what started sort of like hacking away at, you know, evenings and weekends and then was like, oh, we could, we could bootstrap a little, a little business here, a little yeah. side hustle that we sort of do as a, you know, a nice little managed version of Monzo's tooling. And I should be clear, we rewrote it from scratch. We sort of took atoms yeah. of what was available in Monzo's thing and threw it away and, and started and wrote it all in Go and, and sort of TypeScript. But um yeah, and it sort of emerged from that point. And then as these things do, when we start getting customers paying us for it and uh, the traction was good and there was a lot of like customer love on social media for it, yeah. um, went down the route of getting the company funded. And then sort of, as they say, the rest is history. And we've been hiring hiring people like crazy. And good uh, yeah, just been having fantastic traction off the back of it, basically. Touching back on um, incidents mission, I think it'd be good to really understand that the product itself or unpack the product and what problems are you trying to solve and, and what are you not trying to solve? The observability space is huge. What do you really want to focus on? That'd be great to understand. Or what value do you give to customers? Yeah, yeah that's uh, yeah, a great, good question. I think, I think if we look at it, our... So our goal is, uh, I mean, sort of like to be the single place that companies turn when things go wrong and to be the sort of the supporting tool there that that exists to help them be better, basically. Um, And I think it's, you know, bold, bold claim alert, but I think we're building sort of software in a space that hasn't hasn't really been filled in the past. So if you look at how, you know, something goes wrong in an organization five years ago, maybe, what happens is you have systems like PagerDuty, which is like pretty ubiquitous in technology companies for getting hold of on-call engineers so you have a schedule gets hold of them they can jump in and you know start fixing things or looking at things okay you have systems for sort of communicating with your customers so you've got status page is a good example of that okay you have places where you can put postmortems and actions like jira and confluence and whatever else but you've got this like gaping hole in the middle of this whole process which is like once we've assembled what are we doing and like the the answer is like communicating so, yeah. you know, 
15 years ago, that would have been like open a conference bridge and like have people huddled around a, a big meeting room with dashboards and things. The and war then rooms. Fast forward a bit and it's, yeah, exactly. And, and then fast forward a bit and it's, um, it sort of becomes Slack is the place where people are going communicating, but they're basically on, on their own and unsupported. So an incident looks like I jump in Slack, I probably have a channel somewhere, I start communicating and stuff. And then I jump out to go and fix things. I jump out to go and escalate things to other people. I jump out to log into the system to tell my customers. And it's just super, super inefficient yeah. and, and very hard. And what you tend to have in those situations is that companies have uh, a big document somewhere, which is like, here is how we respond to incidents. And it's like giant flow chart, which when it's 2 a.m. and everything's on fire and your system's offline, I guarantee you not a single person goes to, to find and read. So uh, you end up end up in this world where basically companies are just sort of manual, manually ad hocing their way through incidents, doing things inefficiently, and that has like real real cost to businesses, right? Yeah. It has cost to, you know, customers don't feel in the loop of things, and you see that on social. Whereas like your status page says you're up, but you're down. What's going on? Um, but it also has like real impact on people within organizations. So as an engineer, if I it, like incidents are stressful, like a big incident is just one of the the most like tough things to deal with. And the very last thing I want is to be having to think about how to navigate my organization to get the right people in or to ask someone to approve a decision or, you know, all these things compound and it, it's sort of, it's very, very tough. And so the problem we are trying to solve is making that process much, much easier for people. So that looks like giving you a really clear way to declare an incident, basically to be the hub of all of those systems I mentioned earlier so that you can you know, automatically create an incident in Slack when your pager duty pager goes off or escalate back out to get other folks or put your status page up. Um, and then to provide on top of that, a sort of a, a lightweight, like automation of your process is I think the best way to describe it. So we're not trying to automatically fix things or, you know, try and be some sort of like AI system. I don't, I don't think we're there yet. Um, what we want to do is go, well, if if you have a policy internally that says every critical incident should be escalated to the CTO, and by doing that, they can come in and join the incident, help make decisions quicker or be available. Yep. That is a good thing. And that's something we can just take off your plate. So we have part of the product called Workflows that just allows you to do all these different like lightweight communications um, and sort of additional automations on top of it. So that's ba that's basically like Slightly lengthy elevator pitch. It's been a long journey in the elevator, but um, that's what we're solving. What we're not trying to do is be uh, what we're not trying to do is be a sort of very very engineering centric product. Okay, I think there are lots of those that exist at the moment, and I think what we saw with Monzo incident when we were at Monzo, some of the success that we saw there was that it was a tool originally. Literally, I wrote it to to make life easier for the on call engineers I was responsible for, and then some customer support people started using it because they were like, "Cool, if I declare things this way, okay. it gets reported into engineers better, and everyone can see." And then they were like, "Well, hang on, we have incidents ourselves. Like there are times when on customer support, we will have too few customer support agents to manage the customer demand, and that's an incident because." That means our wait times go up and customers get unhappy. So they'll declare an incident, navigate it like any sort of engineering incident. And so, yeah, that's that's what we're we're trying to achieve here, which is making it very accessible for whole organizations. That means avoiding complicated engineering things. We're not going to be talking a lot about SLOs or SRE type concepts here. It's going to be a much more, you know, how does your organization level up by using us? I, I get the impression just from listening to that, listening to the word process and speaking to a number of people and even some of your customers, 
uh, on the pod, over 50 pods, processes, documentation, a clear path to success looks as if it's really important. It, it might seem obvious for people listening to this, but help us understand the impact of what an unclear process for business looks like, because it feels as if some people aren't fully aware if we don't escalate this in the right way, then X happens or Y happens. That might even be a feature for you that if we don't do these things and take steps A, B, and C, then this potentially happens. Yeah, yeah. I think it's worth it's worth sort of pointing out that pr- the, the level of process that's required is very, very context dependent. Really? So take take incident IO, right? So we have incidents today. We do not have a huge amount of automation around our system because Fine. an incident is is super simple. But y- yes, I think process just generally is, I think it's often frowned upon and people are like a bit allergic. Like it sounds very heavyweight and bureaucratic. And I don't think that is the case. It is mostly well-intentioned. It is mostly effective yeah. to have consistent things. Like, I mean, if you look, in fact, maybe a good a good example here is like, the airline industry, yeah. right? Incredibly safe. Yeah. Uh, they have a lot of process and they, they rely on things like checklists and they rely on a bunch of other things there that, that help there. So it's clearly, there's clearly good sort of um, precedent for this being a good thing. But if you look at what happens in organizations when they don't have process specifically in the context of incidents, I think what you end up with is very inconsistent results. And those inconsistent results can be things like you know, certain person within your organization doesn't know about a thing that they should know about, and therefore your response is far less effective, or you, you know, worse than that, actively do something harmful. Yeah, it could be, you know, that you you haven't haven't followed something that means that you're going to let customers know about a situation that's going on. Like it could be like a lot of the time, folks can't choose the process that they're under. So Monzo, yeah. for example was uh you know regulated bank we had a whole bunch of things that we had to do if you know if our payments processor went down we would have to report that as a psd2 major incident yeah and and you know you don't follow that and that is really bad news for you as a company if it gets out um and then i think when you look at like what process can solve as well processes uh it, it solves a lot of human pain because it, it removes some of the like decision, the degrees of freedom, I think, around decisions that need to be made. Okay. And so, you know, y- you don't want someone who is under the pressure of trying to fix a thing also having to think about whether whether this thing applies or whether something else goes on here. You just want you want like consistency and rails that can take away some of that like relatively mundane and repeatable work, basically. Um, humans are like incredibly good at being adaptable and resilient to different situations in a way that just computers aren't. But there is still a foundational layer of things that are just like not useful for humans to have to expend like brain energy on. I can imagine in the fire of it as well, it's very tough if there isn't a process to know what to do. Very tough to navigate your way out of that. Here's a question for you that I think that the listeners listening might be able to get some value from you. I appreciate you touching a good point. Um, Incident processes are context dependent. But if you were to walk into uh, an organization, what what do you think building a new incident process might look like? Or what are some of the variables that you would ask people to start taking a look at to actually go about building that? 
Yeah, again, like massive cop-out answer of being like, yes, it's clearly context dependent. And we, in fact, I wrote, I wrote a blog about this a little while ago. So we, there are a lot of guides online that explain like what great incident response process look like. So I think probably one of the best ones, I think the best examples is PagerDuty who have a, like they've open sourced their entire incident manual, which is their process, their set of things and genuinely really, really good. But I think people get, people can get overly bogged down in the process. And so we've had customers who are organizations that are sub 20 people, for example, who, who are like stressing about which roles they need to define for their incident response process. Do they need a comms lead and a scribe because there's a guide somewhere that says this kind of thing. And I think like clearly the answer is no, like don't overcook it. Um, but generally the, the sort of principle we go with when we go into, into organizations is like, it's founded on a few different things. It's like communication. So who needs to know about your incidents um, is the first thing. So, you know, understand that. It's like coordination. Like how, how are you structuring who is doing what here? Um, and so are you, are you happy with just jumping in a Slack channel and having folks like ad hoc figure things out between them? Yeah. When you're small, perfectly pragmatic to be at that level. Like no need to go much, much more heavyweight than that. Um, and then there was things like, you know, severities, which are some, some folks criticize them and, and they're like, you know, it's, you don't want to spend loads of time in an incident, like arguing over what severity it is. And I completely agree. And I have seen that fail so many times where you have two engineers like, is it major or is it critical? And you're like, I don't care right now. Please just focus on fixing the thing. Um, and it, and like, it sounds, it sounds like a joke, but it is true. Like literally had to pull people out of those conversations, but they do have a place. They are valuable. They are a valuable way to model incidents. And I think if you, you know, if you're looking for some abstractions over incidents so that you can sort of figure out places to go and focus and look at those sorts of things, um, they are, they are useful, but, um, yeah, gen generally, I would say we, when we go into organizations, like the, the thing that we try and push most, most of all, uh, above all else is essentially, um, a culture of just declaring things for like declaring very often and for a very low threshold. And so we will, the immediate response is, well, what do you define as an incident? Yeah. Which is a great question. And I think for us, like incident means any kind of interruption to your planned work with, with a degree of urgency with it. So some, something comes in an error from a customer. If, if that is enough to sidetrack you in the context that makes sense, then that is an incident you declare it. And the cost of doing so when you use a system like Incident.io is that it's it's like zero, right? It's one slash command, you're in an incident. And the benefit you get from that is that we are then within earshot of all of the communication during your incident. We can infer a whole bunch of things from that. We can give you insights into that. You can see over time how much time is your, your organization spending in reactive mode versus proactive mode, which even at that simple level is valuable information that folks often don't have their ability to sort of to, to see. And so, yeah, I think if you have that in place, then a lot of other things can flow from there quite sort of organically. And uh, the sort of net result is you suddenly now have your finger on the pulse of your organization in the way that you you didn't sort of earlier. And I think this is where you opened up with and, and have called us like an observability tool. This yeah. is exactly where I think we, we play into, which is there's this sort of emerging sort of scene i don't know if you've heard of it of socio-technical systems which nope. is fab well let's take take a system like at, well, i was responsible for at monzo so yep. kubernetes big platform it that is a system 
When you look at the socio-technical system, that is when you start to broaden the horizon of that out to the humans that have to operate it as well. Okay. And you have to you have to sort of acknowledge that no system works without the humans as being part of that loop. And so incidents are a fantastic lens into sort of how the socio-technical system of your organization works. So not just, oh, well, this system fails if the CPU goes high, but it's like, well, if Chris isn't available and he's the key person who knows about this thing, yeah. that's really bad. And what does it take for this team to communicate with that one to get the thing done? So it's a sort of just a broader horizon there. Um, but yes, I think that is what we're trying to sort of, I think that's the subtext of where we get to is we provide insights into your organization that you don't otherwise have. Well, why do you think you haven't fallen into that bracket yet? of observability you know we touch on it here we touch on it at the start of that pod if you are giving people so much valuable information about what's happening across all of their services incidents that are happening in their business what why do you think you aren't there yet i, th- I think it's just a like a sort of no no one has sort of unbundled the observability i mean there's been arguments for years about what observability tooling means, right? Yeah. You've got the, the folks, folks who are like, well, it's the three pillars, it's metrics and it's logs and it's traces. And then you've got, you know, honeycomb being like, no, it is like, you know, high cardinality investigation into things. And like, I think basically observability has just been so tightly coupled to technical systems. And yeah. I don't, I think when you look at it and go, well, incidents are a more organizational construct. People just haven't made that sort of dotted line leap, but um, it's like fantastically topical because I'm literally recording a talk at the moment, which is called, um, which is for OlliCon, um, which is um, nice. basically about observability is not for your systems, it's for your organization. So this is why I'm so excited that you brought it up. But, Love it. Um, hopefully, hopefully we'll get there. We will. What, what yeah. metrics do you think matter? Um, it, it would be nice to unpack that technology and organization and like we're touching on how they can marry up Mm, mm. i think yes i think metrics metrics and uh, like insights into your data is where the sort of king will be crowned i think in this emerging space of incident response tooling i think nobody has nailed it and if you look at incumbents the sort of state of the art has been like mttr so mean time to recovery which is like, oh, well, if I take all of my incidents and I say the start was here and we got better here, I'm going to just average those. And as long as that's sort of trending downwards, I'm all good. And like the secret is it never trends downwards. It is completely sort of sporadic. There is a bunch of really interesting literature in the space, which basically debunks the myth of even just any point behind it. <laughs> um So it's like, it's definitely not that. Um We do present that in our product. I mean, it's sort of, a little bit begrudgingly, but because a bunch of people, it's like, as I said, the state of the art and people go, well, I'm coming to you from X and I expect it to be there. So it's there. It will cover you. However, I think um, generally speaking, we, so we have like an insights product within our, within our, um, and I would, I would, if I was giving it like a scorecard, I'd rate it like a, I don't know, like a a, a C plus at the moment. Okay. Um, being very honest and I, I sort of it gives you some more insight so you can start to see trends of what's happening over time how many incidents you you know you can attribute things to with custom fields and say i want to see all incidents that are affecting kubernetes and you start to get a sense of like the connectedness of incidents which is 
honestly where I think a lot of the value is. You know, you start connecting incidents and you can start then extrapolating and predicting incidents. Yeah. Um, but we also show you things like the human side of incidents. So you can see who is most commonly being pulled in, when they are being assigned the lead, how often they are being in, okay. looped into various different types of incidents. So there's there's more insight there. But what's what's really exciting in the sort of world of metrics and, and insights is um, essentially we we are sitting on an absolute goldmine of of like data and information because we exist in the Slack channel where all of the communication is happening. We yep. know exactly who's there, who's talking to who, who does what, what the full timeline looks like. It's it's genuinely like we, we sort of sat on this thing and we can't quite haven't quite had the time to use it yet. Yep. But one thing that one of the engineers here did, um, Lawrence, one of our senior engineers, he so he came from Go Cardless, who were a um, a customer, a very early customer of ours, yep. and he was able to analyze with their permission across all of their incidents, um, all of the interactions that happened between individual people and able to cluster based on a number of different things and was able to pull out this like fascinating graph, which was able to show like hotspots of people who were absolute like key players in the organization who like people who were able to like, you could see this person is on the bridge of these two different teams who get involved in a lot of incidents and they're like the, the link between them. And then you get these two teams are, you know, communicating very often in these sorts of things. And it's like, what you have there is like, the real world view of the sort of org chart a little bit yeah so not the here it is at the top and it sort of filters out to these folks but yeah. like really who's there and and like how that's useful is you can then go well brilliant i can see that i have a single point of failure or success however you pitch it um in this person here and that's a real risk for my organization and yeah you, you didn't have that information beforehand um and so the more insight that we can provide like that which will be a, a focus for us for like the the rest of this year essentially the the more we can help orgs to steer and in the same way that observability tooling allows you to go and interrogate your systems and say well where are they strong where are they weak where can i invest some time and effort that's what we hope to be able to provide for folks or organizations for me that that was just a little bit of a penny drop moment as in um i, I think people can naturally assume that technology can be a blocker in mm -hmm. some of your incidents but it's quite interesting to see the people and technology dynamic and the insights of that that Lawrence and Go Cardless did to understand who was blocking what and probably why and I was I was there naturally assuming that this is a technology centric issue but that's very interesting to see the people and technology part start to build up that's probably my low visibility to be fair as well but that's a really interesting dynamic that you're starting to share insights on that mm, yeah yeah I, I think there's just a, an absolute heap of things that we can do with the data that we have so yeah very excited to get to it this year well where does the future observability or what does the future of observability look like in your eyes at the moment yeah i think I think I think it's interesting. I think a lot of the things, like as I've said, is like broadening what observability means and getting, like bringing bringing the humans and the processes and the sort of the, the myriad of like inefficiencies that exist across organizations, bringing them into the fore and sort of you know shining a spotlight on them. And I'm not, I'm not sure if you're like familiar with um, there's there was a sort of in safety science there's this concept of safety one versus safety two, um, and so safety one is like this slightly older school more traditional view of safety which is like you make things safe by 
um, making as few things as possible go wrong, right? Yeah. And so that is like old school company says, we're going to try and drive incidents to zero. We're going to get rid of incidents because they're not, you know, not a good thing. And that has just so many negative consequences where you, you essentially have like, cool, you're, you're disincentivizing people to like, um, raise awareness things and, about problems and things like that yeah it, exactly you've got, you've got that it's just completely like unintellectually honest i think i like, know what safety too is then shine a light yeah. on everything that we're doing wrong and, well no right, no, okay. no but like, it, i guess it's close it's like it's like safety too is looking at all of the things that go right and okay. then trying to sort of shine, shine a light on those like also oh, look at the things that go right and try and amplify those things and say you know more often than not organizations are doing things right and it's like trying to understand what the things are that are being done right will help you to stop other things from sort of going wrong or limit those things or make them less painful um and the the hard thing there is you go cool well how do i understand what my organization is doing right um because it's not it's not easy to like hover around the office and go well how how is this team really yeah. communicating and who are they doing things with like yeah. and you can't look at documents because documents are sort of this like work as it's imagined rather than as it's done um and so this this is why incidents are interesting is because people in incidents sort of regress to defaults right they don't go and read a document to say how they should go and get hold of a person it's like they will just figure it out in the way that is most natural and so you have this like ability to basically shine a spotlight on how things really work by looking at how people behave during incidents. And so I think that, to answer your question, like very succinctly, I think that is the future of observability is, is being able to shine that spotlight and understand how organizations are like really, really working. Yeah. And then using that insight to help amplify that in future um, and make that basically better. And I think the organizations that catch on to that and the products that are able to capture that are the ones that will essentially win we've spoken a little bit about a lot that happens inside the business um, and and the people and technology components the internal mechanisms that sit around it is there any opportunity to build customer centric incident response processes so as in let's just say we're working with growth companies or Monzo, as an example, five and a half million customers. Are you able to build something that is customer centric? Yeah, I think, yes, this is really interesting because I think this is, this is honestly like an area where sort of like the intuitive um, response to thinking about incidents and customers is not the right one, which is like, if you look historically, folks have been like, right, well, if we have an incident or we have something going wrong, like we don't want to tell anyone about that just keep keep that on the down low and you see that time and time again with like incumbent banks and like when you when you work at a bank like monzo you have access to systems where you can see uptimes and downtimes of other banks and in fact open banking makes it much more public anyway um but you realize like the correlation between what they tell customers about what's happening and what what is actually happening there is this big disconnect and over time customers see that they see they see that and it drives a massive wedge in terms of trust and in terms of like what they you know their sort of feelings towards that that company and so i think monza did a great job of this like a really great job so they did we twitter were, I, I feel could that be part of the process i don't know but twitter was yeah. fantastic absolutely so so this is what monza did monza was 
um, very, very quick to, we had a connection from our incident tooling to Twitter. Okay. And so we would tweet out, we are having issues. And that would be the primary way that our customers would find out about us. Like yeah. very socially driven company. Um, and so you'd basically be able to go, cool, I can see on my incident feed, they have been very transparent about a thing. And we would then provide updates in that thread of, okay, cool, we're on it. We're looking at it. ETA, 30 minutes to get back. And I think that just brings customers much more into the fold. They feel like it it does literally the opposite of the whole kind of like intuitive thing of like, oh, well, I'm not going to trust this company because they have issues. It's like they just, every everyone knows these things happen. And it's like, this is the company that tells me about them and keeps me in the loop. And this is something we care a lot about at Incident.io, which is how do you, how do you make sure that customers are not an afterthought when you're in the middle of yeah. what is essentially a very stressful, high pressure, very sort of focused um, instance of dealing with something going wrong? And there are lots of interesting product things we can do where we can nudge you to remember to provide updates out there, or we can you know trigger on certain keywords, and we can do various different things there um, to essentially put it um, like front and center. And then I think. The sort of additional part of this is that companies who debrief well on incidents, so that's, yeah. a, you know, incident dust has settled, they spend their time understanding what happened, they gather lots of uh, opinions and experiences from those involved. They, the, the, the best companies are the ones who are then putting that public. And yeah. so there's a bunch of companies who do this really well. Like I, I wrote one for a very big incident we had at Monzo a while back. Um, Lots of companies do this. Um, and in fact, there's a, there's a whole open database. Um, so Verica, I don't know if you've heard of them. They have this big open database, open incident database called The Void. Um, and uh, yeah, run by Courtney Nash. Great, great bunch of people there. And um, yeah, they're basically surfacing this stuff and going, here, look, not, not only do you see, you know, the kind of good stuff that these companies are putting out, but here's something as an industry we can learn from yeah. collectively. And it's it's a little bit difficult at the moment because what companies what happens inside companies and what they publish externally is obviously you know there's naturally a sort of we can't show everything yeah um, but there's still a lot of interesting stuff that can be inferred there. That's something that I've learned today about socio technical systems and what you're building impact customers etc. I, I think I'm understanding it a little bit. I'm go I googled it when you spoke about it the first time, but. Uh, the the Monzo process I always thought was that was fascinating, and it feels like they were the first to break that seal. So it, it's nice to see how that's that's evolved, evolving, um, and that's what you're trying to encourage. Uh, I hope, or I guess, mm -hmm. yeah. um, companies to do. Good for you. Thank you. Good. Lastly, before we wrap up. Um, I, I want to say I've thoroughly, thoroughly enjoyed this. You, Pete, Stephen, three co-founders at the heart of a business that you've spoken about, that you've raised funding, you're growing. Uh, tell us a little bit about that growth and tell us a little bit about the types of people that you want to look for for the business in this growth journey because lots of people listen to us in the UK, across Europe, people will naturally be very interested in what you have to say and the challenges that you solve and can probably feel attached to your mission, I'm sure, in, in several ways. So help us understand a little bit about the types of people that you're looking for. Yes. Oh, good, good question. Um, how to boil it down? I guess we are very early stage, right? So 
people who the people who we have hired maybe i'll start with that people okay. who we have hired are people who are in like first of all passionate about the domain right i think that goes without saying um so folks who have either been in incidents understand what that means and even understands it from a customer point of view right so has felt the pain of you know something they care about not being available um big help but we're we're a startup so there is there is a lot of things to do and there is this sort of like unwritten thing where like nothing is not your responsibility in the company when you're this size. Um, so um, people who are very comfortable rolling their sleeves up and sort of getting involved. Um, but we're also an incredibly, uh, sort of sort of pains me to say this, but because everyone says it, we're a very customer centric company. Um, practically, what does that mean? Uh, practically, what that means is we have Slack connect channels with every single one of our customers. Um, we actively actively go and seek out uh, customer feedback when folks have things going wrong we will spend uh, like an enormous amount of time like debugging things working through things with them being like very clear about things we um yeah we a, a sort of fun side side thing here is esther who works in our first she was our first customer success hire she had a customer who she found out was having a baby and so she went and ordered 10 which was the minimum quantity um incident io baby grows and she was like i feel really bad because i've bought 10 of them and we're only going to need one ever and like we have been close enough with our customers that we have given away all 10 and have now ordered more of them and i think Love that's a, a really really lovely sort of you know how the company runs like definitely go the extra mile i am also very conscious that that will not last forever but we're yeah. at the stage of company right now where it does work and we're going to continue doing it until it does not work anymore and then and then sort of figure out what to do next but people who who for whom that sounds like a good place to work that is that is really where we are and in terms of uh roles that we are hiring um pretty much ev everything so we are hiring um product engineers we are hiring customer success people to work directly with our customers uh, sales folks, um, biz ops folks. Um, there's a bunch of things and, uh, yeah, just jump onto incident.io slash careers. If you're interested in having a little look. Well, ladies and gents, you've, you've heard it there in regards to, uh, what Chris and the team are looking for. Uh, I'm, I'm really, really keen to see where you are, uh, in the next six to 12 months. And I just want to say a big thanks for, for coming to join us, sharing your story, um, and being personal about it as well. So for, for everyone listening, there's going to be some links below in um, the comments section for everyone to check out. And Chris, I just want to say a big thanks. If everyone can like, share, subscribe, show your friends. You know, they're doing some awesome stuff. Show the people around you uh, what Incident are doing. Or go and nag the budget handler to say, why are we not investing in these guys and girls chris big thanks for that absolutely thank pleasure. you thank you let's pencil in uh, 12 months time and i'll come back and tell you how it's gone do it i'm gonna hold you to that do it <laughs> chris thanks a lot ladies and gents thanks a lot too hey guys thanks for watching this episode uh, massively appreciate you listening and checking in with us if you want to find out more about us and what we're doing, please check us out on social media. What we're trying to do at Engineers is build a community to drive knowledge, sharing and experiences. On Twitter, we can be found at engineers.io. It's no underscore. We've also got a website, which is engineers.io. These links will all be posted 
in the description. Any feedback and comments are massively appreciated. We're always looking to improve on where we can. Thanks guys.